You know, one thing that always struck me about Jesus, when he ministered on the earth, in his earthly ministry, um, he was never reserved about touching those people who the rest of the world would not touch. I mean, Jesus, the Bible says, he reached out and touched the leper. Do you realize today that that was against the Mosaic law? And I, I'm not preaching on the leper today, but leprosy, a, a, a person who had leprosy, had to live without the camp. They had to cry out constantly, Lamay, 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 which in Hebrew is unclean, unclean, unclean. No one was allowed to have social contact with them. No one was allowed to touch them, but yet Jesus touched the leper. Jesus was a fulfillment of the law. Amen? I mean, this was purity. Reaching out and touching pollution. This was heaven reaching down to this sin-stained planet and touching it with a touch of love. A beautiful type and example of our salvation, how that Jesus, heaven's purity, reached down and touched the pollution of my life. Just the very thought of Jesus as he wrapped himself up in the abilements of human flesh and came down to earth to walk in this dusty, dirty, stinking, evil, wicked place and to die for me and for you. You think of it. I asked a, a group of people the other day that I was preaching to I asked a question, but it was more of a statement, really. And I, I said, would you die on the cross for the sins of the world? Do you even love one person enough to die for them? And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, many people, to sound noble, would say, oh, yes. And some few, maybe that would be true, that they would die for one, or maybe they would die for one or two. But I don't believe it's any human that would unreservedly say, I'll die for the whole world. I don't believe it's too many people that would say, you know, I'll die for Ted Bundy. But Jesus did. I don't believe it's too many people that would say, you know, I'll die for Adolf Hitler. But Jesus did. Are you saying those men were saved? No, not, I'm not saying that at all because, you see, Jesus died for everybody in the whole world. And the, the, the will of God, the desire of God is that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. But everybody doesn't come. Everybody doesn't receive his finished work of redemption in, as their own personal work. See, everybody doesn't receive salvation, but it's available to all. 
when Jesus died, he died for the whole world. What a Savior. What a Savior. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't do it. I don't have it within me. I'd like to think I'm a man of God. I'd like to think I'm a man of the gospel. I'd like to think I'm a man of love. And I am. But I don't think I could die for the whole world. And I don't think it's anybody else that could either. I'll just have to be honest with you. But Jesus did. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. In him. In him. Not in a particular church denomination or fellowship. But in him. Not in a particular ordinance of the church. But in him. Whosoever believeth in him. Jesus. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. Glory to God. He's the one that we look to today. And purity reached down and touched the pollution of my life and cleaned me up and made me right and righteous in the sight of God. Not through any works that I did, but because of what he did at Calvary. And I'm glad about that today. I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled today to be a Christian. It's the, it's the Thanksgiving season in the year 2000. My Lord, my Lord. Where did the year 2000 go? Does anybody know? It's Thanksgiving time already. My family and I are getting ready to go to camp meeting in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at that great Jimmy Swaggart camp meeting. Uh, the Lord has blessed us this year. We've, we've, I've been to every one. And just I've received so much from the Lord. But somebody asked me the other day, what are you most thankful of, you know, this year? And we, we kind of do that, you know. We, I'm thankful for a lot of things over a lifetime, my dear friend. But we kind of, uh, you know, we always say, what are you thankful for this year? And I looked at him and, and kind of just blurted it out. I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm just so happy to be a Christian. I'm so happy to be serving Jesus. Amen. That's what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving for me. Not just this year, but last year too. And next year as well. Amen. I, I just want to serve Him. I just want to love Him. I just want to preach this old-fashioned gospel. I just want to preach the cross. I just want to preach about the blood. Hallelujah. I just want to tell men and women, boys and girls, how they can come to Christ and be saved. And that's what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving to me. Praise God. I'm excited today to be a Christian. I'm excited that as ugly and wicked as I've been, you, well now hold on, because you have been too. <laughs> well, we don't want to go there. But anyway, as wicked and as unchristlike at times as I have been in my life, That heaven's purity came down and touched me in my pollution and cleaned me up and changed me. It's just such a great day to be alive. Amen. Now today I want to preach just for a few minutes. I'm not going to.
preach long today from Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter. And I want, to, I want us to look today at how faith approaches Jesus. We, we, we're constantly told, have faith in God, have faith in God, have faith in God. And that's right. We, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is a rewarder, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so faith is a powerful commodity, and yet we need to know what is faith. And more particularly today, we need to know how does faith approach Christ? How does faith approach Jesus? And of course, we could be here for 17 hours and preach straight through without taking a break, without pausing to take a breath, and we wouldn't comprehend the entirety of that subject. So you understand these things. I say that over and over and over and over again when I preach because I want people to be aware, and I, I'm sure they are, that uh, we cannot totally exhaust a subject. We cannot totally exhaust the faith approach to Christ. But we can give you some ideas by looking at an individual in the New Testament. And I want to look at this woman from the fifth chapter of Mark. Uh, we're going to start in verse 21 and read on down through. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years. Now that's a long time. That's a, that's a very long time. This woman had an issue of blood. I'm not going to go into the few possibilities of what that could have been but she was having problems for 12 long years and sometimes and many of you that are listening at me you would know this if you're sick for an extended period of time uh, not only is it hard on your physical body but it's hard on your your mental state as well it's hard on your emotional life this woman was under severe attack of the devil and as I said briefly, or tried to bring out to you uh, a few moments ago, Jesus' heart so beat and beats today with compassion. And never forget this, Christian. When Jesus looks at the down and out, or the up and out, when Jesus looks at the stumble bum, the drunk, the doper, the rocker. Or when he, when he looks at the President of the United States or a U.S. Congressman or Senator, doesn't matter, or a doctor or a lawyer or a street sweeper. When he looks at us, he looks at us through eyes of compassion and love and mercy. God does not have the attitude that some Christians do. As we look at a poor individual whose life is torn apart by the ravages of sin 
and we would say that's good enough for them. But God doesn't look at humanity like that. God, the very heartbeat of God is to reach out to them. And this woman was in an emotional state. Satan had attacked her with sickness. For others, it's something else that Satan uses to attack. But be that as it may, there's a longing in the heart of God to get to that person. And yet, there's a longing in that person to get to God. And sometimes humanity doesn't even realize it. Sometimes people don't realize, well, I'm trying to get to God, but they are. Because the heart of man, the soul of man, man's inner being is so big that the only thing that can fill up that void that was put there at the fall when man originally lost fellowship with God, the, the, a void came. And man has tried to fill that void with a half a thousand things, drugs, alcohol, science falsely so-called, psychology, sociology, all of these things, political processes, all of this gambling, uh, all of this that man uses to try to fill the void. But that the heart of man is so big, man's inner being is so big that only God can fill the void. And there's something in each of us from the moment that we're born into this planet, there's something in us, even though man is depraved. But there's something in us that knows it's something out there. And then as Christ is preached to the individual, man is faced with the choice to accept or reject. And this woman... Twelve long years she suffered many things. You think of it. Verse 26, she had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Now that's the state of the world today. They're spending all that they have. They're going to psychologists, they're going to psychiatrists, but they're nothing bettered but rather grow worse. I get amused. I, I listen to the, the news media, the think tanks of this nation as they discuss this problem of school violence and school shootings. And, it, and I get amazed at how they are sending this team of psychologists and this team of social workers and this team, and I'm going to tell you something, it doesn't work. Humanity has grown nothing the better, but rather the worse. Because the only answer to the problems of mankind is Jesus Christ. Glory to God. The answer for mankind is the cross of Christ. The answer for humanity, and you see humanity does have a problem, and that problem is sin. That's your problem today. That's my problem. That's the whole world. The problem is a sin problem. The problem is an unbelief problem. 
And the answer is the finished work of Christ upon the cross. It's not some think tank. It's not some social worker. It's not some psychological mumbo-jumbo jargon. It is the power of the finished work of Christ upon the cross. And that's the only hope for America. And that's the only hope for the world. That was the only hope for this woman. Was I've got to get to Jesus. For 12 years... I've suffered many things. I've went to many physicians. I've paid them all my money. And I'm no better. I'm only worse. We've had one government program after the other. The poor are still among us. <laughs> Seems to me like we'd start to look to the Word of God, huh? We've had one government agency created after another and the problems of this nation and the world are still looming as large as ever and larger in fact and we keep foolishly looking to ourselves for an answer. But when she had heard of Jesus, verse 27, she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may but touch if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole and straightway. You can straightway straighten up the problems that are facing you in your life if you'll just touch Jesus. Amen. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And we'll, we'll leave off reading there. It's amazing to me at the faith of this woman. It's amazing to me that faith's approach to Christ is clearly outlined in this little scenario. And I don't want to spend a lot of time um, with you on it this morning. And I don't know what some of you are going through. Some of you, it, it may be you need to be saved. Others of you may need healing. Others of you may need financial prosperity to come into your life. Maybe you right now need a financial miracle to touch your home or else you're going to have some severe problems. Maybe some of you right now need a job. I don't know. I don't know your problem, but I do know your answer. And as we see, uh, we hear so many voices in the church world today talking about faith. And, uh, you know, we hear it constantly. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And that's right. Without faith, it's impossible to even please God. But we need to know what faith is. We need to know the proper object of our faith. And most of what's being preached and taught today as faith is not Bible faith. Most of it is faith in faith or faith in words. Now I believe we ought to have faith in God's word. But what I'm talking about is faith in confession that just because you say something 400 times that you're going to get it. If that were true, then Jesus never would have needed to come and die on Calvary. Because we could have just spoke redemption 
into existence, but it cannot be done, my friend. So the object of my faith is not my words, my confession. The object of, of my faith is not me praying so many hours in a day. Prayer is good. Prayer is right. We need to pray. But my object of faith, what I put my trust in, is nothing that I can do, but what Jesus has done, the finished work of the cross. That's the object of my faith. And what is faith? Faith is complete trust, complete reliance in what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Now, how does faith approach Christ? That's what we want to talk about briefly today. How does faith approach Christ? We have a need. All of humanity needed a Savior. All of humanity today needs a healer. Whether it's spiritual healing, physical healing, financial healing, whatever. It runs the gamut. And the word saved in the New Testament, one of the words that's used for saved, means healing, deliverance, prosperity, the whole thing. See, At Calvary, Jesus covered it all. You hear me? At the cross, Jesus directly answered the, every problem and every need known to man. And there is no other answer outside of the realm of Calvary. And that's where the modern church has missed it. Much of what's being taught as faith today directs faith to the church. But there's no salvation in the church. There's no deliverance in the church. Amen. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. Now you should love your church. You should go to church. You should worship God corporately with other believers. But if you look to that to provide your victory or to provide your hope or to provide your miracle, you're looking to the wrong source. You see, and I'm only going to briefly touch, in fact, I'm not even going to briefly touch on this. I'm going to make the statement and, uh, because it needs to be made. But <clears throat> I realize that the church is the body of Christ and I realize that the church is, is um, the vehicle through which God ministers in the earth today. But listen, the church is not equal to Jesus Christ. Not in the way that you would think, see. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the master. Jesus is Lord. And just because I'm in his church does not make me Lord. I don't want people to look to my church for their salvation. Now, if they come to my church, they'll hear salvation preached. They better or I've failed. I said they'd better. Hey, preacher. I said they'd better or I have failed. I want them to come to my church. I want them to love my church. I want them to, to support my church. I want them to support my ministry. But I don't want you to look to me or my ministry as your hope, your answer, your deliverance, your victory. You look to Christ. You must look to Jesus. He finished the work at Calvary and the resurrection. Everything you need is in Him. Amen. The church is not equal in that regard 
to Jesus. Now, again, I understand that God works in the earth and moves throughout the earth through the vehicle of His church. I understand that. That's right. He does. And that's why He's given gifts to the church. That's why He's given ministry gifts to the church. But we are not. Hear me. And those of you that are following around from one preacher groupie to another, listen to me, please. For your own good, listen to me. We are not your Savior. We are not your deliverer. You don't have to sow so much money into my ministry to get your miracle. Don't, don't, don't you even misunderstand me. We need your offerings. There's some of you we haven't heard from a, from a very long time. For a very long time. And we miss you. And we need you. We need you now more than ever before. We're seeing more people brought to Christ than ever before in the history of our ministry right now. This is not the time to jump ship. This is not the time to bail out. But I will not, I refuse to attach your miracle to your offering. You better hear me now. You should give because you love God. You love the work of God. God has spoken to your heart to do so. You should believe that God will meet your needs. You, shall be, you should believe that God will supply seed to the sower. All of that is correct, but you don't give to buy a miracle. You don't give with the idea in mind that you're going to get a lot back or you've negated the very fact of your giving. Now, that's the word of God. I don't care what some slick-haired, shiny-shoot evangelist tells you. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. How'd I get off on all that? How come I should start in on all that? <laughs> Praise God. I don't want you to misunderstand me. The church is very important. God works through his church. God flows through his church. God moves in the midst of his people. Yes, he does. But see, we are still, we are the new creation in Christ. We are not the creator. He is God, and he is God all by himself. And you are not going to take the, the, the place upon yourself and call yourself equal to God. You cannot do that. There's people in the church today trying to do that. I heard one preacher say the other day, I heard it with my very own ears or I would never have believed it. As he sat there and he said that any born again man could have died on the cross and paid for our sins. That is blasphemy. That is the a great apostasy that's coming upon the church in these last days. Right there. As their focus is off of the cross, off of Jesus, and onto the church. Or onto themselves. Or half a thousand other things. The very moment you go beyond the cross, you are backslidden. I don't care if you're big britches faith man so-and-so. You're backslidden if you've gone beyond the cross. And you can mark it down. And you better turn back to Christ before it's too late. to rip it off the streets of gold and send it to you. 
God is a big God. We're not serving some little pygmy God. We're not serving some little chintzy God. He is awesome in His power. He is brilliant in His splendor and majesty. He is so far above you and I. He is so far above. He's exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could even ask or think, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. So when we approach Him in true faith, when we have faith in God, we approach Him with a despair for all other help. We don't need, let me tell you something, church. You don't need social workers. You don't need psychology. You don't need hypnotism. You don't need all of these things that the world uses because you don't serve the God, little g, of this world, which is Satan. You serve the mighty Jehovah God. You serve Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And He is the source of my victory. He is the source of my help. He's my financial source. Amen. He's the, he's the health to my body. He's the breath to my lungs. He's the life to my flesh. Jesus. So true faith, when this woman finally comes to Christ. She was in deep despair of anybody else's help. She had been to all else. Now I'm not saying you go out to all else before you try Christ. <laughs> Don't do that. You'll be all screwed up and most never make it. Most never make it back. But this woman for 12 long years had suffered. Went to all kinds of so-called special help people and grew worse spent all her money grew worse grew worse grew worse but when she came to Christ she realized if I touch him hallelujah I shall be whole that's faith that's faith faith responds to the revealed Jesus. Faith cannot respond to a dashboard Jesus in the dashboard of your car. Faith cannot respond to that picture you got hung on your wall. Faith must reach out and respond to a person, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, the Son of Almighty God. And faith reaches out and intimately connects with Him. You hear me? As long as you've got a plan B. Hmm, you're going to have problems. Faith comes with a deep despair for the help of all others. Looking only to Christ. You hear me? Looking only to Christ. Faith has the divine desire to discover Christ. We don't really know what brought this woman to, to Jesus, do we? Could have been she heard of him. 
could have been she somebody told her about the miracle worker of Galilee but however how she found out about him there was something in her a divine touch a divine power a, a deep divine desire to discover Christ and that's faith faith isn't so much interested in what Dr. Big Bottom has to say or what the position of our denomination is or a lot of other things faith has a deep desire to discover Christ I have a little bit of a problem with people who call themselves Christians and yet they have no desire for the Word of God. They have no desire for prayer. They have no desire for Bible study. They have no desire to witness and win souls. They have no desire for the things of the kingdom. Not that those things save you because they don't. Not that they earn you anything with God because they do not. But simply because those are the works that the Spirit will birth through you if you are saved. A deep desire to discover Christ. That's faith. To discover who He is. To discover His ways. To discover His mighty power. Faith comes with an implicit trust in Christ. I want to just tell you something, and uh, we, we've tried to preach this little message this morning, and, and uh, we've been plowing, I can tell, but that's all right. But I want to tell you something right now. It's Christ and Christ alone, and that's it. And if that's not what you have, you don't have anything. It isn't Christ 90% and something else 10. It is not Jesus Christ 80% and something else 20% or two things 10% each or four things 5% each forget that it is Jesus and him alone it is Jesus Christ and him alone that is the object of our faith and you've got problems if you have anything else let me spell it out a little plainer you can't look to Jesus and Mary you can't look to Jesus and fasting. You can't look to Jesus and your denomination for righteousness. You understand me? It's Christ and Him alone. Some of those other things are good. I mean, like I said at the beginning of this message, I think it was. Uh, I think it was this message. Uh, your prayer life, you need to have that. That is a work that's born out of you once you're saved. I mean, you're going to want to pray. You're going to desire a prayer life. But it isn't Jesus and your prayer life that saves you. It isn't Jesus and your Bible study habits. And you need to study the Word. You must study the Word. God commands us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Work we need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. But not, for, not, for, not to be saved and not to have victory over sin. And not even to be healed, really. Because those things, as an object of your faith, Christ did those things 2,000 years ago on the cross. You read the Word, you find out about it. You read the Word, you learn about it. You renew your mind, praise God, to the Word of God. But the actual purchase price 
is not anything you can do. Faith has an implicit trust in Christ and Christ alone. That doesn't mean that we are to be lazy and slothful in the Christian disciplines, but it does mean that the Christian disciplines that I perform are because I am saved, not to become saved, and saved in any area uh, that we're talking about saved. Any work of the Spirit. Hope you understand that. Faith comes to Christ with a deep despair for the help of all others. Faith comes to Christ with a longing, a deep desire to discover Christ. Faith comes with an implicit trust in Christ. Notice that all revolves around Christ. This woman with the issue of blood, her total hope was Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Her total discovery was Jesus. Her total chance for victory, and I know how she must have felt as she walked up to Him. And here's the crowd of people thronging Him, the multitude pressing in upon Him, and she's saying, I've got to touch Him. I've got to get to Him. This was her last hope. This was her only option. She had no plan B. She knew that in Him there was a special something that would touch her and, or as she would touch the hem of His garment, she would be instantly whole. The extent of what she knew about Him we're not clear on, but she knew that much. Which brings me to my next point. You know, you don't have to be a theological genius to get an answer from God. You don't have to be a Bible seminary graduate before God will do something wonderful for you. Before God can do something mighty for you. All you have to have is faith in God. I like what old R.W. Schambach used to say. He said, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. And that's right. There's nothing that God cannot come through and, and do in your life. There's nothing, you know, cancer is nothing for God. Bondage is nothing for God. Trust Him. Faith has an implicit trust in Christ. And faith seeks for its comfort close contact with Christ. Amen. You know, there's such a comfort to faith. Most of the world today is going around worried and uptight and upset about every little thing that comes down the pipe. We don't have enough money to pay the bills and oh, this happened and that happened and these are very real problems. But the person who has faith in Jesus has a comfort. And that comfort is the presence of Christ. That comfort comes as we look to what Jesus did for us at Calvary and we get into His presence and He wipes away all tears and stills all fears 
and leads us by His Spirit in the way that we ought to go. Amen? Faith, with all of its... Let me see how to say this, this next point. Well, the Bible says it best. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Faith, irregardless of how small, will be accepted by Christ. Now that's a far cry from religion, isn't it? Because religion, you have to jump through 75 hoops. You have to make a profession for Christ and crawl on your knees until they're bloody and do this every day. And do, but faith, even if it's as small as a grain of mustard seed, faith will always be accepted by Jesus Christ. Glory to God. God wants your faith. God's looking for faith. God's looking for somebody that will dare to trust Him and dare to believe His Word. And I want to tell you this, and it's been proven time and time and time and time again as you look down through history. I mean, it, it, the evidence is replete that it, one man and God is a majority. And if God can find one man or one woman or one little old boy or girl that will believe Him and trust Him, you can change your world. Glory to God. You can change your physical situation. Not you doing it. Christ doing it. Christ will change your, he'll change your financial situation. He'll change the situation in your home, in your marriage, with your children, with your parents. One person in God is a majority. Hear me. Faith. You don't need six degrees to be accepted by God. You just need faith. And faith will always feel a change from the touch of Christ, whether you touch Him or He touches you. The Bible says she felt in her body that she was made whole. She felt in her body that she was made whole. So I challenge you today, this little simple message. We've, we've been plowing this morning, I can tell. But you know what? I believe that somebody heard something. I believe that somebody heard something that ministered to their heart and life. And if you'll reach out to Christ, don't look to me, and don't look to my pitiful little message, but if you'll reach out to Christ right now, I believe He wants to heal you. I believe He wants to prosper you. I believe He wants to give you the desires of your heart right now as you just reach out and touch Him. And if you are listening to me right now and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're not born again, you need to do that right now. You need to give your heart to Christ right now because it's the greatest life on the face of the earth. And when you enter into it, you're going to find that you'll serve the mighty God of heaven. And if you'll serve Him forever... He'll lead you home. He'll lead you home. Father, I thank you for this time with the people this morning. Lord, I ask that something you've caused us to say in this little time 
will be a, a blessing and a help and a challenge to somebody's life. And Lord, I ask right now as we enter into the rest of our day, Father, that you will send us forth with faith in Christ. Lord, I ask that you will teach us to put our total trust, our total confidence, our all in all in Jesus Christ today and not in anything else. And Lord, show us your mighty power. Show us your mighty miracle power today. Oh God, we ask you for it in the name of Jesus. And God, I ask that you'll save some that's listened. I ask that you'll fill some believers with the Holy Ghost that's listened. I ask that you'll cause some who desperately need in their body a physical touch of healing today, that you will move them in response to faith as they've heard this word this morning, that you'll move them to their healing place. Glory be to God and the Lamb forever. Glory be to God and the Lamb forever. And Lord, now as we look to you, we say, praise the Lord. We say, thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we've prayed in your name, giving you all the praise and the glory for everything that's said and done here today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Ugh.